was working my way through some, um, some um, points that are under the heading, God's remedy for Adam's sin. And I stopped. I forgot where I stopped. I do know that I didn't cover this one, and that is the seed of the woman, the last Adam, is the temple of God. That's kind of, uh, for some people, I don't think in this room, but might be a little new to think about, wait a minute, the last Adam, Jesus is the temple of God? Um, That's an interesting thing to think of. Remember in John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us? Some of you know that that word dwelt is used in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament um, to refer to the tabernacle, the temporary and portable temple that the Jews had before the permanent temple was built, the special dwelling place of God among, on the earth, among God on the earth. The Son of God is a temple. The last Adam is a temple. He tabernacled among us. But listen to John 2. This is John 2, 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers seated at their tables. And he made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple, obviously the physical temple, with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Okay, so it should have been a place of worship, but they had made it a place of business. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. One of the Psalms. The Jews then said to him, What sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things, going into the temple and doing that? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It took 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? And John, kind of out of the side of his mouth, but he was speaking to the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had spoken. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Okay? So his he calls his body a temple. He said destroy it, my body, and I'll raise it up. Kill me and all that's Voluntary on the Son of God. I have authority to give it up. I have authority to take it up again. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. He was speaking of the temple of his body. Jesus' claim is that he will build a new temple. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up. So we see the resurrection in one sense 
as the rebuilding of a temple? Is this temple after the resurrection the same as it was before the resurrection? He suffered and then entered into glory, right? So his body, which is the temple, is now glorified. So we should view the resurrection as the beginning of a new temple because not only is Jesus himself the beginning of a new temple, by the way, which was promised in the Old Testament, but he ends up being a temple builder, not merely by raising himself from the dead, but by building his church, which is called a temple of God in more than one place. So he's, a, he's, a, he's the temple of God who ends up being a temple builder for God. By the way, is this a temple builder for God? Is that new? Or maybe I'm borrowing language from the Old Testament and putting it in different words. He shall build a house for my name. The Lord, Yahweh, reveals that to David. David's seed is going to be a temple builder whose kingdom actually will last forever. Did that come true in David's life? No. Did it come true in Solomon's life? No, though Solomon built a temple. But Solomon's kingdom didn't last forever. When Jesus comes on the scene, that Davidic promise from Yahweh to David about a son who will build a house, a house for worship, for his name ends up terminating on Jesus. When the New Testament is talking about this kind of stuff, it goes, it resources the Old Testament promises to David about a temple builder who would build a temple and it terminates on the Lord Jesus himself. It'd be good if I actually followed some sort of script here because I'm getting going all over the place in my head right now. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the temple of God who rebuilds himself, resurrection, who also builds a new temple called the church. For instance, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Now, 1 Corinthians three sixteen and 17. Most modern people and commentators, you know how they read those verses? They individualize it. But the yous there are all plural He's talking about the church as a corporate body, the Corinthian church in particular, but all true local churches as well. You local churches are a temple of God. The Spirit of God dwells in local churches. If any man destroys the local church, God will destroy him. For the local church, the temple of God, is holy that is what you are. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. In whom, Christ, the whole building, this is temple language, being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Okay, Old Testament language coming to fulfillment in the activity of Christ terminating on the building of his 
church, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also, you Ephesians, also are, are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So I think what's happening there is this. In whom, that is Christ, the whole building is being fitted together. The whole building would be the church in its widest sense in the world. And then the church in its local expression in Ephesus, in these words. In whom you also, okay, so this macro, this larger things going on, but this micro, this local things going on in the midst of the universal thing. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The temple, the new covenant temple builder, is both the temple of God, possesses a temple, and is causing it to grow and develop and increase all over the earth. I will build my temple, I will build my church, right? And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. This temple building, by the way, you remember that sermon I preached about that word, I will build my church. The same Greek word is used in Genesis chapter 2, when Adam was asleep, God built out of Adam's rib. He built Eve. Anybody remember that? That word right there in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, is used by Jesus when he says, I will build my church. God built Eve out of Adam. Is the church built out of Christ? Yes. Was Adam the first a type of him who was to come? Yes. Was Eve the first a type of her who was to come? And all the old commentators said, of course. But I digress. So the at last, Adam is both the temple of God in his own person, a rebuilder of the divine temple, and a builder of a new temple. Church. Fifth, the seed of the woman the last Adam, was an obedient priest who also creates a new priesthood for the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the temple of God, this special dwelling place of the Spirit of God. The seed of the woman, the last Adam, was an obedient priest. Now, we went from a broader concept, temple. What? Who are those who conduct their work and worship in the temple? They are called Priests, right? So the seed of the woman, the last Adam, was an obedient priest. Why did he need to be obedient? Because all we had before him were disobedient priests, who also creates a new priesthood. Well, if he's creating a new temple, then you would think he'd have priests that correspond with the temple. He creates a new priesthood for the house of God, which is the church of the living God. 
First Timothy 3.15 says, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. And the church of the living God is the pillar and support of the truth. The church is now the house of God built by Christ. First Peter 2.5 says, you also as living stones are being, okay, so persons are living stones, being built up as a spiritual house, temple language, for a holy priesthood, priestly language, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we could say this, Christ's church consists of priests offering up spiritual sacrifices. Who was the first priest, uh, human priest on the earth that was supposed to do a work for God in his special presence? Adam, right? I think Adam was the first priest. He sinned. He was in God's special presence to do God's bidding, to serve God on the earth. He sinned. What do we need? We need a last Adam priest. We need another priest who is obedient and who does what he is called to do. Well, this obedient priest actually reproduces himself in miniature in his seed in his people, so that we are priests. Now, are we a priest like he is a priest? Of course not. But are we priests, sinners saved by grace in the special presence of God to offer service to God according to the word of God? And the answer is yes. Are females in our church membership priests? Yes. Are males priests? Yes. Are we priests in the way The Lord Jesus was a priest. Obviously uh, not. But nonetheless, we are priests. Therefore, we must have a sphere in which we serve as priests, temples, churches. Well, there are a few more. I'm going to stop at that point. Um, Some of you, most of you, probably all of you, have heard something like this before. I deliver the same material over and over through different texts. It's all about Jesus because we have, why do we have a Bible? Because there's a Christ, there's a mediator, there's a skull crusher, there's salvation. And God's desire is to report that to creatures, to communicate that to men. So he raised up Moses and the writers of the Old Testament and he raised up Christ and then the prophets who interpreted Christ according to Christ's own way of interpreting himself in light of the promises of the Old Testament. And then they recorded their testimony in the Gospels and the Book of Acts and the Epistles and the Revelation for us so that we could have a record of God's, the history of, of redemption so that we can not only be saved, but that we can enjoy his grace in this life and serve uh, ourselves and others Until we die in Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for this consideration again and ask you bless these scripture considerations on the skull-crushing seed of the woman, the last Adam, who he was promised to be, who he was when he came, what he did, and the fruitful effects of that, not only in this life, but in the life to come, in the age to come as well. We long for... Emmanuel's land to be here in its fullness. Until then, we're pilgrims in a foreign place, 
Yet with all the holy promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ as our promises, um, may these induce more confidence in us, not just during church service hours or right afterwards, but this evening, later this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow, Tuesday, through Saturday of, of the entire work week. May you bless your word, not only as it's heard, but after we hear it and helping us to recall it and to remind ourselves, especially when we're discouraged and distraught, to remind ourselves of the fact that when you make a promise, when it is an unconditional swearing of an oath, you're going to do it. And no amount of enemies can blockade your, the execution of your divine purposes on the earth. This is because your power is like you, infinite power. You are able and willing to do all your holy will. And this ought to encourage us. Bless now as we take the supper together, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.